bringing you the truth behind the news. Welcome to The New American. Welcome, everyone. We're glad you can join us. It's November 6th, and I'm Paul Dragoo. A judge in Connecticut just threw out the fraudulent results of a mayoral race after videos of a city worker stuffing ballot boxes turned up. Also, House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer says that the Bidens are about to be subpoenaed. And crypto criminal Sam Bankman Freed now faces up to 115 years in prison. SBF, as he's called, was just found guilty of seven counts of fraud and conspiracy. We have those stories coming up, plus a discussion with John Burr Society Regional Field Coordinator Dave Giordano about the Get Us Out of the UN movement in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. But first, it looks like the Ukraine war may now be too inconvenient for the U.S. to perpetuate. U.S. and European officials have begun quietly talking with the Ukrainian government about working out peace negotiations with Russia. This is according to an NBC report published on Friday. NBC said the information came from conversations with a senior U.S. official and a former senior U.S. official familiar with the discussions. The conversations included talk about what Ukraine might need to give up to reach a deal. Some of the talks happened last month during a meeting of representatives from more than 50 nations supporting Ukraine, including NATO members, known as the Ukraine Defense Contact Group. Western officials say the war in Eastern Europe has reached a stalemate, and they're concerned the public has lost its desire to keep throwing money at it. The Israel-Hamas war also seems to be playing a role in this development. NBC reported, quote, there is unease in the U.S. government with how much less public attention the war in Ukraine has garnered since the Israel-Hamas war began nearly a month ago. Officials fear that shift could make securing additional aid for Kiev more difficult, end quote. Well, the fear seems justifiable because on Thursday, the House of Representatives passed a proposal by Speaker Mike Johnson that pairs a $14.3 billion emergency funding for Israel with $14.3 billion in cuts to the IRS. There was no Ukraine aid in the package like Joe Biden and Democrats wanted. Even the mainstream media is coming around to the reality that Ukraine cannot win. Since the beginning of that war, American media consistently broadcast a rosy narrative likely disconnected from reality. But last Monday, Time published a piece that included comments from one of Vladimir Zelensky's closest aides who said, we're out of options, we're not winning, but try telling him that. Here's CNN reporting on the matter. After months of a counteroffensive to wrest territory from Russia, new reporting from Time magazine reveals that while Ukrainian President Zelensky is still deeply committed to the fight, some of his advisors are worried. One of Zelensky's aides telling Time he deludes himself. We're out of options. We're not winning. But try telling him that. And that sobering assessment extends beyond the civilian government. Ukraine's commander-in-chief for the armed forces saying this to The Economist. Just like in the First World War, we have reached the level of technology that puts us into a stalemate. There will likely be no deep and beautiful breakthrough. A stalemate which has not, uh, the, which was not the characterization over the last several months. Yesterday, Zelensky appeared on Meet the Press in what looked like a passionate plea to the American public and probably legislators to keep up the support. He spent quite a bit of time delving into details explaining that Ukraine just needed help with air defense. Here he is answering the question about whether the war has reached a stalemate. 
the strategy of this war this summer. And you reiterated right now the progress has been slower than desired. And recently, one of your top generals said Ukraine has, quote, reached a stalemate. Has the war reached a stalemate? Uh, Christian, you know, on the 24th of February, when Russia invaded our cities, country, our land, our families, and they attacked all of us, the world gave us three days. Some European countries who really believed in us, they said one month. Others said it will be very quick. And this is really this situation, what they said. But now we speak with you. Now it's almost two years. Now initiative in our hands. Yes, a lot of people, of course, in the world are tired. Of course, it's understandable. Somebody tired on the battlefield, somebody tired uh, on their works, and somebody tired abroad. They want to come back home to their husbands, to their soldiers, to these guys, women and, and children. Somebody tired from European leaders to support Ukraine. Yes, of course, because long war. But you have to know, I'm sure that we are just in this case, where some ammunition, some strong ammunition can help us to manage the same way like it was last year. But my question is, of course, not to lose unity and to believe in ourselves. Of course, that is important. But my question is, what is the alternative? What do we have to do to say, okay, we are, we are not okay. Yes, our partners or some of some of our partners are really think that we can't go forward, that we can't have success, that we will not win. What 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 to do? What alternative to give Putin to give Putin this possibility to kill all of us? Join me to discuss today's stories. Our editor in chief of the New American Magazine, Gary Benoit, and John Birch Society research manager, Christian. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey, Paul. So, Christian. That was pretty interesting. What do you make of of Z Zelensky's comments uh, when we compare them with what the word is out there, uh, whether Ukraine even has a chance? What do you think of all this? Well, he's clearly desperate. He wants more money to keep the effort going. But uh, at this point, um, just looking at the, the facts that w are now coming to like us, it's true what the CNN reporter did say. Uh, for months, we have been getting, and you said it yourself as well in the intro, we've been getting this rosy dialogue that it's not a stalemate. I mean, you look at m many headlines in the New York Post, Daily yeah. Mail, all these, you know, all these sites. Uh, you know, the R Russian forces obliterated, tanks destroyed by a you know, little Ukrainian missile or whatever. And Which the, we never bought, by the way. Yeah. That was a narrative we never bought here. Yeah, exactly. But the mainstream media has been selling this notion that Ukraine's on the verge of winning. Just got to give them a little bit more to get over the hill and it'll be over with yeah. by Christmas. And here we are two years into this. And um, in that CNN clip uh, that you showed a little, a, little, a little further on, she shows this map of the, the progress that the Russians and the Ukrainians have each made. And all of, most of half of Eastern Ukraine is, is, is red, yeah. uh, occupied by Russian forces with only these little yellow dots. That they've been uh, able to that, take back. That the Ukrainians have retaken back. Um, so 
at this point, sending, I mean, if we send money to Ukraine, where is that money going to really end up? Because it, it really looks as though Russia is going to uh, have victory. And if they do uh, have a full-fledged victory mm -hmm. uh, there, everything that we send, just like in Afghanistan, will make its way into the hands of the enemy. Absolutely. We haven't even discussed, Gary, uh, what Putin's response is. In the reports, there was no indication of how Putin would respond. But if I were Putin and I were a shark, I'd, I'd be smelling weakness now. Because it, it sounds like the, the U.S. is, there's going to be no more money going there. What would you uh, speculate Putin might do in the, in the scenario like this if we back up and we stop supporting Ukraine? Do you think he'll take up? He'll he'll keep going further, or is he going to be satisfied with what he's got so far? I I, I don't know. Is the, the simple uh, the yeah. simple answer to that question? But the thing is, it's not America's war to begin with. Why are we involved in the first place? And of course, there is this notion which uh, is perpetuated by the major media that uh, the Ukrainian uh, regime, you know, that's the good guy, and the Russian regime, that's the bad guy. And of course, uh, we all realize that the Russian regime is the bad guy, but uh, the Ukrainian regime is totally corrupt. And so does it make any sense to support one regime mm -hmm. which is totally corrupt over uh, another regime? It never made any sense from the beginning. No. You know, I, was, I think it was a, a couple months into the war, we put out an issue, a, what did we say, a war of two villains. Right. And, uh, and we have since reported, Zelensky's no fan of, of free speech. Uh, he's jailed uh, clergymen and whatnot. This is not someone who who is in, in, in favor of democracy, as they call it. Well, thank you, gentlemen. There's, we're going to be obviously looking out for this. We're going to be keep uh, keeping an update on this. Up next, it looks like Democrats in Connecticut were caught cheating in elections. <gasps> Freedom is the cure. You're dead on. This is the largest experiment performed on human beings in the history of the world. The more you know. What they're doing is they're forcing vaccination on people. And I believe they are killing people with this vaccination. The freer you are. It's murder. They are basically murdering people in hospitals. The all-cause mortality we know is now higher in the vaccinated group than the unvaccinated group. Stay informed on the issues that affect freedom. Get a subscription to The New American today. TheNewAmerican.com Welcome back. Before we go into our next story, I wanted to go into further a little bit as far as the money that's been thrown here, in, uh, U.S. money that's been thrown at Ukraine. Christian, uh, you had some insights there. Can you fill us in? Well, actually, in the, M in the NBC article that you um, referenced earlier, if you read in the article, it says that the, the, the Biden administration has spent $43.9 on security assistance for Ukraine since Russia's invasion in February 2022, according to the Pentagon. A U.S. official says the administration has about $5 billion left to send to Ukraine before money runs out. There would be no money left for Ukraine if the administration hadn't sent it found a $6.2 billion accounting error <laughs> 
from months of overvaluing equipment sent to Kiev. Wait, wait, how do you make that kind of... Are these the people who are going to be doing our taxes or auditing our taxes? I, I, well, <laughs> I, I, maybe, maybe they wanted to make the error because notice how that, that's worded, that they had to find an error of uh, 6.2 so they look for it. billion in order to continue providing aid. Yeah. Yeah, well maybe it's a good thing that in the uh, in the Israeli aid package bill that the, the house passed that they at least tried to cut the money from the IRS cuz the folks in the federal government have no yeah. idea what they're doing. They're mishandling money and this is all going to uh, Yeah, and it's I really mean, no it's not going to anything really. And it's, there, there's another possibility too. Maybe the accountants uh, learned their math from Common Core. No, there you go. That's probably <laughs> yeah, the matter of the public like, schools. I, I wonder what that number is that you mentioned stacks up to what we've invested on the southern border because I bet there's a lot of people listening and they're like, man, imagine what we could do with that kind of money on the southern border. Let's look at our next story. A Connecticut judge threw out the rigged results of a mayoral race last week. The fraud is hard to dispute thanks to video recordings of a city employee stuffing ballot boxes. Here's local NBC coverage of the skullduggery that brought this on. Superior Court Judge William Clark calling surveillance video shocking. He found there was proof partisans had placed absentee ballots in drop boxes and determined with so many mishandled ballots, it calls the results of the primary election in serious doubt. Superior Court Judge William Clark believes the allegations of election fraud are so solid that he threw out the results of the September 12th primary. The incumbent, Bridgeport Mayor Joe Gannon, won by 251 votes out of more than 8,000. He had more than enough absentee ballots go his way to secure his victory. The judge said in his ruling, quote, The volume of ballots so mishandled is such that it calls the result of the primary election into serious doubt and leaves the court unable to determine the legitimate result of the primary, end quote. He said the videos are shocking to the court and should be shocking to all the parties. The judge ordered a new Democratic mayoral primary in Bridgeport to be held after the November 7th general election. Despite the judge's call for a new primary, the general election is expected to continue as planned. Ganim, who allegedly won, will run as the Democratic nominee while Gomes will appear as an independent candidate. The judge's order got the attention of one of the richest and most influential people in the world, EV Tycoon and social media platform owner Elon Musk. In a tweet on Thursday, he said, Judge orders a new election in Connecticut town after surveillance videos show ballot stuffing in drop boxes. That this happened here is beyond reasonable doubt. The only question is, how common is it? Well, gentlemen, that is, the <laughs> that is a very important question. How common is it? This seems to be the major MO when it comes to uh, election cheating. We've done so much. We have an action project at the John Birch Society, Restore Election Integrity. And we're going to, before this segment ends, we're going to go into what needs to be done. Very few easy steps that need to be done, but not easily applicable. What do you make of this, Gary? Are you shocked? <laughs> no, <laughs> that's a simple answer. Uh, no, I am not. But it's interesting, isn't it, that uh, this is treated seriously. And of course, it should have been treated seriously. But how about all the evidence having to do with the stealing of the 2020 presidential election, which you mean the most secure election, which, uh, the in most US secure history? election in American history, yeah. which of course included photographic evidence and included um, footage showing a lot more than this being stuffed. Yeah, there are entire documentaries with hours, and, and there's hours mm -hmm. of footage similar to to what they have there in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and somehow it still remains 
the most secure election in American history. What do you think, Christian? I think it's interesting that this primary is gonna be scheduled uh, after the general election. So it's sort of like, okay, we caught you, but nothing's really gonna change. Yeah, that's Unless a- they change the general election between now and then, it looks like they won't. Yeah, oh, I mean, that's such a bizarre way to look at it. But I suppose the, the difference would have been that the, the guy who supposedly lost, he wouldn't, he wouldn't even be able to run as an independent. So that, that seems to be, uh, I guess, I guess that's the upside to it. That's what you do when you catch someone cheating is you don't disqualify the cheater or <laughs> you just you let the other guy continue to compete. It's kind of it's kind of uh, kind of bizarre. Now, in our project, uh, our take action project, we all we already uh, we detail the problems. We have gone through the problems with with elections, and I think they're worth uh, repeating. I don't know if you want to go into this, Gary, or, or you want me to, to continue on, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you a shot here. Well, I'd like to use uh, an analogy. Uh, let's say you have a bank, and the bank decides to uh, turn off all the surveillance cameras. Uh, they decide to leave the, uh, the door to the vault open. Uh, they leave the door to the bank itself open, and uh, they don't have any accounting of uh, how much money is in, the, uh, uh, is in the vaults. And then somebody says, oh my goodness, it looks like uh, uh, the money was stolen or some of the money was stolen. Mm-hmm. Well, gee, how do you know that? Where's the absolute proof, Yeah. right? Isn't that what we're doing with the elections? Because we're leaving the door wide open for fraud, such as, for example, all this early voting. Yeah. And, and so uh, in this sense, and of course the analogy is not uh, complete, but in this sense, uh, the ballot boxes are being stuffed and you say, well, gee, how do you prove absolutely that the election was stolen? Well, uh, don't you think it's reasonable to worry about it uh, uh, if there are no safe safeguards to pre- prevent uh, cheating in the first place? It absolutely is. And there's no there's no way you could go wrong if you were to implement a few easy steps. Uh, and I say easy because mm-hmm. practically or the idea is easy, but obviously uh, we've heard, I think you were you might have been at a meeting where the, the Republicans held a meeting at FPA some time ago, Freedom Project Academy. We heard from Republicans in Wisconsin say that every time they try to take some steps to reduce the likelihood of fraud, there's a lawsuit, whether it's taking dead people off of, of voter rolls or anything else. But what we need is we need paper ballots right. that can I, be traced. I think that's the biggest thing. And we need people to vote on election day with a voter ID at a local precinct where people can watch the count. If we could get that implemented, that's you you've reinforced election security. And and, and let's say there's there's no one hundred percent proof, like you said, that that you know someone is stuffing that it's illegal what they're mm-hmm. doing, whatever. Clearly there, there's there's wrongdoing. There has been. There has been for a long time. I mean, even the a- AP ran a story, was a couple months ago, about LBJ, who you know, <laughs> stuffed the ballot box, it sounded like, in 1947. This yep. has been going on for a long, long time. Christian, did you want to add anything? I'm glad you mentioned the action project that we have. I would, I would urge everyone who's uh, listening uh, to our program today to go to the JBS.org and go to our, to our legislative alerts under Act Now. Mm. We have a federal alert for... Um, um, election integrity, and we also have state alerts, because ultimately, under the Constitution, it's the states who, are, who should be in control of, of, of their state election laws. And a lot of it has become federalized, so we need to retake um, 
Have control. they become federalized, or is that well, what they're trying to do? There's been a lot do? of laws that have been passed that have to be repealed. So our federal it's alert moving that direction. We have to repeal a lot of the bad laws that have been that have passed in the past. Because the Democrats, if they had their way, they would have full, uh, full total federal control of our elections. And I I can't imagine us having an election. 2024 or 2028 that we can trust and rely on the results until we have election integrity measures passed in all 50 states. Otherwise, it's going to be a repeat of before. Yeah. And especially in the swing states, people in the swing states, you are at the forefront. JBS.org. If you go to Action Project, you can get more information on, on election things, election security, and then you can implement those. Thanks, guys. Hey, folks, be sure to visit thenewamerican.com for more truth behind the news. And if you don't have one already, you need a subscription to the print edition of The New American Magazine. The New American offers in-depth coverage and analysis that you won't find anywhere else. You can subscribe at thenewamerican.com or by calling our office at 800-727-8783. Next up, Comer says the Bidens are about to be subpoenaed, and it took a jury just a few hours to convict SBF. I, I certainly would not want a constitutional convention. I mean, whoa, <laughs> who knows what would come out of that? Just imagine if we have a constitutional convention, the number of people who will be unhappy and the number of people who say the results are not valid, and then they'll just ignore the entire constitution. What we need are just more people that would read the one we have. It isn't the constitution that's the problem. It is the people who ignore the constitution that usurp power and abuse the constitutional power that they ostensibly have. If you can't enforce an existing piece of paper, how are you going to enforce a piece of paper that has a little more writing to it? In other words, it's been amended. It's up to us to hold our elected officials accountable. What can you do to elect good representatives and senators in your state legislature who understand the Constitution and are willing to take a stand? The Bidens will soon be subpoenaed. That's what House Oversight and Accountability Committee Chairman James Comer said Friday while appearing on Lou Dobbs' podcast, The Great America Show. This isn't a legitimate business. This is a scam. They they had different accounts. They laundered money. But uh, because we've got these bank accounts in, we're very close to bringing in the Bidens. I, I would say it's a matter of days before they get served. Uh, we needed to have the bank records because now if we didn't have those bank records, we couldn't say, Jim Biden, what is this $200,000 check to your brother, Joe Biden? No one knew about that until we got the bank record. So we built up a case and, and, you know, I think that we just about got enough bank records to where we can bring them in and ask them specific questions with, with specific hard evidence in the form of bank statements. Comer recently created a video complete with graphics to explain the convoluted shell game the Bidens played to hide their alleged influence peddling racket. Here's how Joe Biden benefited from his family's shady deal with CEFC, a Chinese Communist Party-linked company. It all began with a shakedown in the summer of 2017 when Hunter Biden sent a message to his CEFC associate demanding a $10 million capital payment. As Hunter Biden extorted this associate, Hunter claimed he was sitting with his father and that the Biden network would turn on his associate if he didn't pony up the money. The extortion scheme worked. Days later, $5 million flowed in from a Chinese affiliate of CEFC. Over the following three weeks, Biden family members 
made a series of complicated financial transactions to hide the source of the China money. Here's how that happened. First, Northern International Capital, a Chinese company associated with CEFC, wired $5 million to Hudson West 3, a joint venture established by Hunter Biden and a CEFC associate. Then Hudson West 3 sent $400,000 to an entity owned and controlled by Hunter Biden. Next, Hunter Biden wired $150,000 to Lion Hall Group, a company owned by James and Sarah Biden. Sarah Biden then withdrew $50,000 in cash from Lion Hall Group. Later the same day, she deposited it into her and James Biden's personal checking account. A few days later, Sarah Biden cut a check to Joe Biden for $40,000. The memo line of the check said, loan repayment. Like the payment to Joe from AmeriCorps funds, it's certainly plausible that this payment where James and Sarah used funds from China was indeed a loan payment to Joe. But even if this $40,000 check was a loan repayment from James Biden, it still shows how Joe benefited from his family cashing in on his name. I don't know about you guys, but I'm getting the feeling that I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> Look at that racket, man. That is incredible. I think at this point, people just want to see indictments. They want to see action. They want to see something where it shows that these people are going to get what they deserve. And I believe I speak for a lot of people when I say there's a chance that might not happen. What do you think, Gary? Well, there's a chance that might not, but there's a chance that that may. Of course. But uh, what are the chances that uh, the biggest crimes of the Bidens will be exposed and they'll be held accountable for that? Because this is approach, uh, approached uh, as if it's just about corruption, right? But uh, I think a lot more than corruption is involved. First of all, uh, has uh, U.S. foreign policy been tilted uh, uh, in order to favor our avowed enemies, the communist Chinese. So uh, that's question number one. And number two, uh, how about what's happening at the southern border? How can the United States survive? How can we not commit suicide if we do not uh, have borders for our own country? Okay. And, and the Biden administration is following an open border, uh, border policy. So is that more serious or is that not more serious than what is happening with what Comer is uh, uncovering. So, so you, we, we got to look at all of it. So you're saying he, that's criminal behavior on, on, on behalf of the Biden and Oh, on yes. Biden. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, to destroy the United States of America when you've taken an oath to the Constitution of the United States, which is the highest law of the land, yeah. certainly that is criminal. That's a good point. Did you want to throw anything in here or should we go to the next story? Oh, there, we can go to the next story. I'm all right. <laughs> all right, for our last story. Disgraced crypto mogul Sam Bankman-Fried is facing up to 115 years in prison. Late last week, a Manhattan jury found him guilty on all seven counts of fraud and conspiracy in the first of two criminal trials that he faces. The convictions include wire fraud, conspiracy to commit wire fraud, and conspiracy to commit money laundering. The case involved tens of billions in stolen crypto investments. Prosecutors described the 31-year-old as using his FTX crypto exchange as his personal piggy bank in building a pyramid of deceit. Jurors deliberated only about four and a half hours before finding SBF guilty. Commentators say SBF injured his case by taking the stand and denied any recollection of wrongdoing. Three of his former colleagues had already pleaded guilty to the same charges and they've cooperated with the government in its case against SBF. His attorneys are expected to appeal. 
U.S. Attorney Damian Williams spoke to the press after the conviction. Sam Bankman-Fried perpetrated one of the biggest financial frauds in American history, a multi-billion dollar scheme designed to make him the king of crypto. But here's the thing. The, crypto, the cryptocurrency industry might be new. The players like Sam Bankman-Fried might be new. But this kind of fraud, this kind of corruption is as old as time. And we have no patience for it. This news is prompting questions across social media about SBF's generous donations to political campaigns during his heyday in the crypto industry. As a new American has reported in the past, SBF donated nearly $45 million to leftist candidates and causes since 2020, earning second place billing after George Soros as top contributor to liberal groups. The next criminal trial against SBF is scheduled to begin in March when he will face charges, including bribes to Chinese officials. Okay, Christian, I imagine the worst thing we should probably be looking out for is this is gonna be exploited by the deep state to regulate crypto because anything that is not regulated by the government, by the deep state, you know, they either want to regulate it or they want to destroy it, right? I would expect nothing less on the part of the federal government. They're gonna, use, they're gonna make an example out of him. They've said that. So I imagine they're gonna slam the book on him. They'll probably give him, uh, I'd be surprised if they don't give him close to the full sentencing because they wanna uh, put fear in others to, to not potentially yeah. follow in these footsteps. But also they wanna let others know that the real king of crypto is, no, is, is not a young guy in his basement or, or in the Bahamas, but rather uh, the federal government. The Fed wants to be the king of crypto. Hmm. So I can see this being uh, the catalyst for full federal oversight and control and management of that. Yeah. And eventually even the creation of a full a digital dollar. That's where this is ultimately headed to on the part of the federal government. They, they don't want competing currencies. We see that right now with, uh, I mean, you, you, you try to make your own uh, uh, your own currency and, it's backed by, and say that it's backed by gold and in a vault that you have. Is that illegal? Use it as money. You can't, it's, it's illegal. It violates federal tender laws, um, federal legal tender laws, which mm -hmm. in themselves are unconstitutional. So um, absolutely the federal government will, will likely use this as a catalyst to regulate and control and, and destroy the crypto market as it currently exists. Yeah, did you want to add anything to that, Gary? Well, first of all, I agree with everything Christian said, but uh, uh, in terms of being king of money, uh, look at how the powers that be are already the king of the Federal Reserve notes because of their control of the, the Federal Reserve. And of course, I'm referring to the US dollar. Uh, but that's not sufficient for them. They want to be be able to control everything. Yeah. Uh, and of course, if the currency is electronic, if it's digital, uh, then not, not only can they uh, control the uh, uh, the um, the currency itself uh, through uh, through uh, their electronic means, but they can also uh, have surveillance on people as mm -hmm. to how they're spending their money. Right. And, they and can know how every dollar is, is spent. Well, gee, maybe somebody gave some money to uh, the John Birch Society. How terrible. Right, right. Well, that's, it's, and we saw um, foreshadowing of that with, mm -hmm. with the truckers in Canada. In Canada, they've really gone ahead and, and they've frozen uh, people's assets, regular people. You know, Sam Bakeman fried he seems like a deer caught in the headlights. Remember when he was caught, he was like, he just kept talking. And I don't think he knew this was coming. I don't think he knows how things work. He, he seems kind of caught in the middle. Sure, it sounds like he's a criminal, but it sounds like he's a really dumb criminal. He's a, he's a perfect patsy. Yeah. And, yep. uh, he's long example the for the establishment. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, we're gonna keep an eye out on this as well as the other stories, a lot developing. So thank you for your time. Thank you for your commentary. 
After this, John Birch Society Regional Field Coordinator Dave Giordano joins us and we're gonna talk about Get Us Out of the UN. As a lumberjack, I've been cutting wood for decades. My job is pretty straightforward. I see the wood, I chop the wood. My ax goes through every time. You remember when everyone bought all the toilet paper? And they wanted me to wear these things? And someone invested a lot of money into this stuff. They say I'm part of a global plan. I don't think so. It's too hot, it's too cold. You know what? The weather changes. We even hear crazy ideas on how kids should learn. Here's the news, Dad. Is it, son? Is it? What about this one, Dad? Nope. It's hard to tell what's real and what's fake these days. There's just too much baloney out there. At the New American, they cut through the baloney and give me the truth. Visit thenewamerican.com and subscribe to get 50% off the cover price. And if you want an even better deal, use the promo code 10OFFSUB. Again, that's 10OFFSUB for more than 50% off. I'm joined by a special guest in the studio today, John Birch Society Regional Field Coordinator, Dave Giordano. Hi, Dave Giordano. How you doing, Paul? Thanks like, for having me on. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's wonderful to have you. And welcome to Wisconsin. Uh, you're here for the week. One of the things that we wanted to discuss is this campaign to get us, get the U.S. out of the United Nations. I don't know, uh, maybe our listeners who, who are listening they may not be aware, but this is our longest action campaign from the John Birch Society. I believe we started in 1962. And we did so because we recognize that this is one of the most important actions we could take as a, as a nation to restore our sovereignty uh, and furthermore to stop the intrusion of the globalists onto American policy. Would you would you agree? And can you tell us what you guys are doing out there? Is it in Pennsylvania, in New Jersey? In New Jersey. Yeah, actually, I many times I tell people if we just did two things, 80% of the problems would be solved that would be get us out of the UN and get us out of the um, Fed. Uh, yeah. Know, and the Fed and those two things. And the Fed and get solve. us out. Yeah, those two things. Things and you know we probably go home, but um, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> um, and I stress to many people that the United Nations is not a good idea gone bad. The United Nations is uh, was meant to be the world government uh, from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. In fact, we had an issue with the New American. I can remember uh, said, "Don't mend it, end it." Um, so I get that point across right away. But um, lately, I've been going around from chapter to chapter and even other patriot groups and presenting information on the United Nations, such as uh, John McManus, the former president of the John Birch Society, did a Get Us Out of the UN speech. And I just had somebody just a couple of weeks ago, uh, one of our members, and say, I didn't realize how big it was. I just thought it was a building up there. And in that speech, John showed all the different buildings all around the world. Yeah. Um, so when when they realize that um, they have a completely different outlook on it. Yeah, yeah. So what are you suggesting? Like, go pick it in front of the building in New York? No, no. It's, <laughs> uh, you know, it's like uh, Robert Welsh said, uh, education uh, is our strategy. Um, so go, go out and educate the people because I get done doing these presentations on the United Nations and um, everybody's shocked. And I go, well, you're the patriots and you're shocked. 
I mean, yeah, even like the general public. I mean, you're the people who took time out to come out to this meeting tonight, mm-hmm. and, and, and you're shocked. So we've got to go out and push harder um, to uh, let people understand this information. Uh, we it, the, the time couldn't be better because you have patriot groups out there saying, hey, you know, look what's going on in the schools. We'll go to a school, school board meeting and say, well, you know, that is. That's Common Core, which came from Bill Gates funding it through UNESCO. That's the United Nations. Mm-hmm. Oh, we need to fight uh, the World Health Organization. Well, yeah, that's an arm of the United Nations. Oh, look at what NATO's doing. Well, that's an arm of the United Nations. So what we need to do is, while we're fighting these things, uh, we need to do that. But we need, uh, instead of just uh, cutting off the branches of the tree, we need to go after the United Nations. And we could do that through education. And and so off camera, you had mentioned that one of the things you run into the most is that people just don't know how bad the UN is. You listed several examples showing exactly why the UN is so bad. When you talk about the WHO, Mm -hmm. I don't think we even mentioned the WEF, but I think there's some some connection there Mm -hmm. as well. Last week, we played clips from, I believe, Sean Hannity and even Israel. Sean Hannity, of all people, I don't know if you saw Mm -hmm. that clip. I saw that. I watched your Yeah, what did you think? You know, it's like even Sean Hannity's, you know, it's kind of like the old, uh, even a broken clock is right. Right, right, (laughs) Well, I was just speaking with the, um, a group the other day saying Sean Hannity finally really like really uh, we've been talking about it since 1960 yeah I'm glad they're catching up that's usually <laughs> that's always the case isn't it now unfortunately everyone's catching up if only they would have listened earlier to the JBS yeah. uh, and you mentioned the WEF the WEF just uh, partnered with the United Nations on the World uh, Food Alliance mm. and uh, also gave a presentation just the other day on uh, Agenda 2030 and I said why it does the United Nations have the World Health Organization because they want to control your health. Why do they have UNESCO? Because they want to control education. And I said, well, why would they form a uh, World Food Alliance? Because they want to control all food. Yeah, that seems to be the pattern. That's yeah. what they do. So, so go on. No, go ahead. <laughs> so, so what do we do, practically speaking? We got five minutes here, and this is what the we always try to say, okay, practically, how do we do? We do have our action project. If you go to jbs.org, you'll be able to see Take Action there. You'll see Get Us Out. Uh, of the UN and there's lots of information there so you can help get educated but how do we spur this how do we pressure uh, officials to finally uh, to make a move toward getting us out well one of the things that we've been doing as I said I've doing these presentations uh, um, using some of our older tools and some of our newer tools uh, there's the UN deception which resurrected again it's an incredible mm-hmm. uh, documentary and showing this and educating uh, the groups and then after we follow up right there uh, with letters to our congressmen and um, ask our members to write their name and address on there print it print your name and then sign it make sure you print your name because if you sign it they might not be able to read it and if you sign it you don't uh, or uh, print it um, they'll know that it's from you and we uh, stuff them in uh, envelopes and put uh, our uh, pamphlets in there top 10 good reasons to get us Mm -hmm. out of the UN and everybody sends it to their congressmen their congressmen need to hear from them Um, another thing is awareness Um, you know we did a presentation our, our members in the area and well, one of the things that I had said, now there's a, uh, a representative, Doug Mastriano, is popular in Pennsylvania, and he ran for governor. Yeah. Um, he did lose. And after the election was over, um, I saw all these Doug Mastriano signs, still up for another yeah. month driving through Pennsylvania. You guys did manage to uh, 
like the cyborg there who can't complete a, <laughs> yeah. a coherent sentence. Way to go, Pennsylvania. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Well, that's a whole other story. But um, so I thought all these Mastriano signs, wouldn't it be nice if all these had get us out of the UN signs? I wanted to go up to each door. And I mentioned this in front of a group. And one uh, gentleman decided, you know what, I'm going to start with those signs. And he had the mate. He asked me for my advice. And I sent them right to the uh, John Birch Society website. And he somewhat replicated it and had 200 of them made and at that point I said well give me 30 of them and I sold those 30 and then a Trump store in the local area they yeah. purchased some and then he sold his out and now he's on a second run so we need to get these signs out there um, to, they to work the don't public. they absolutely remember do. we used to have those back in the day all over the place and, and when the, the media writes their occasional slam job on us. They always mention these signs and impeach Earl Warren, all these things. Yes. We used to do a really good job of putting these signs out. Now, I worked on a project that uh, is the Birchin uh, pamphlet there. One of the things that, one of the cases that we made is that because of the work of the United, uh, of Americans and especially Birchers, we have eroded support for the UN. Uh, there's a report that shows like all the Western countries and we have lower support in the West than any other Western countries for the UN. Mm -hmm. And we do claim some responsibility for that because we've put a lot of work in that. And I think right now is the time to get this done. Would you Would you agree? Absolutely. And our own uh, Rebecca Terrell uh, was involved in writing the uh, American Sovereignty uh, Bill for I think it was uh, Representative Ron, Ron Paul. Yeah. Ron Paul. Absolutely. And it was introduced every year. And um, um, uh, I think it was uh, Thomas Massey has been re reintroduced. We have, have to get it uh, reintroduced, to, reintroduced again. And to, uh, to gain support, again, I can't um, sound repetitive, but it's education. And when people see um, documentaries are, uh, such as Katanga and they see how evil the U.N. is, or I know um, Alex Newman did a deep state video on um, the U.N. peacekeepers. Yeah. Um, and what they did. And pillaging. Yes, yes. Raping and pillaging. And their the courts children. doing nothing about it. The nothing UN at all. Yes, nothing at all. And uh, they don't know uh, courts such as the I. You mentioned courts, the ICC. You mm -hmm. know, there was a little bit movement in the news not too long ago um, that uh, we should put Putin in front of the ICC, and people didn't realize. You know, they're like, yeah, we should do that. Well, be careful what you wish for, because what you're going to do is put him in front of there, and then legitimize the ICC, and then they'll be have you in front of the ICC oh, good one day. Point. We have a few seconds left. Uh, we've been taking uh, talking about awareness and legislators, but I would imagine a key to this is helping especially legislators know the harm. Do you guys, have you observed that legislators tend not to know the harm of the UN? Uh, y yes, actually. Uh, not only legislators, I just uh, had uh, a member say that it, uh, they knew of an associate that was going down to Africa. And they said, under the U um, uh, under U.S. Uh, law? And, and they said, no, under NATO. Mm. So we we had a member just recently schedule an appointment with a congressman and uh, get a second appointment, and we're going to go in and explain this to him. Thank you, Dave. Mm -hmm. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of the New American Daily. Remember to visit thenewamerican.com for more truth behind the news. Enjoy the rest of your day and join us again tomorrow for another episode.